Hello, and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 208. And uh, if you're noticing an, e- even, an even different sound quality today, uh, it is because I am trying something else. I am still uh, away from home uh, out on Long Island um, in a beautiful place. Uh, but uh, as you may have heard last week, uh, a fairly echoey place. Uh, but it was suggested to me that perhaps an outdoor recording would do the trick and uh, that it would be less echoey. And as there's nothing to kind of bounce sound off of. Um, so I'm trying it. So I'm outside. I'm under an umbrella on a very hot day. And uh, it's not super quiet out here. So there may be outdoor sounds. You might hear some uh, birds, which is, I mean, after months of being smushed into my apartment, uh, th- this sound of birds all the time is pretty nice. Um, so there will be some of that, and also I, I, there have been quite a lot of planes also. So I'm going to try and uh, pause recording if we run into a, a plane situation some more. Um, but if that if you hear something, it's probably that. Um, so yeah, outdoors. Here we are recording in the in the great outdoors, which I absolutely could not do in Queens. So, uh, which is funny, um, today's uh, blogcast is uh, about the kind of time of living in the apartment it, during all of this. Um, so it's, a, it's kind of like one of those movies where, you know, the movie starts off and the narrator is like old and, and writing from their fancy like hotel, so you know they're fine, but then they tell you the story of what happened when they, you know, went to the wars or whatever. Anyway, this this story is like that, <laughs> except for also not at all like that. Um, but uh, I'm gonna, yeah, read you this um, blog that I I I wrote. I think in the moment where the rest of the country was starting to open up. And I was feeling enormous trepidation about people doing that, particularly in the, the state of my birth, um, and worrying that people weren't taking the virus seriously and that all of these openings were going to lead to an increasing of cases and that their experience was going to look like my experience, which I did not want to happen, um, which all came true. So... It didn't come true necessarily in the places that I expected, but, you know, um, as I feared, uh, all of that opening up did, in fact, lead to uh, a real, real uh, increase, a real, a real, a real boon for the virus. The virus is doing great. Uh, Anyway, so I wrote this piece just, I think, as a cautionary tale for the rest of the country, like, hey, this has not been easy for us in New York. Hello. Uh, but uh, please take it seriously for you. W- wear your mask. Would you please? I-, I did not sit in a tiny, tiny, tiny apartment for all of these months for you to go out and, uh, you know, risk all of your lives, all of our lives. Anyway, that's where this the impulse to to share all this stuff came from. I wasn't particularly interested in in this. Uh, I don't know. 
in, I didn't particularly feel like, oh, I must share my quarantine story, blah, blah. Um, I just was hoping to um, scare a few people into wearing their masks, I guess. <laughs> anyway, here it is. It is called A View from a Small Apartment in NYC. It was when I noticed I was pushing our building door open with my hip that I started dedicating clothes for inside or outside. With the pandemic raging outside, no extra precaution seemed too crazy at a certain point. So I take my clothes off at the door and go wash my hands before putting on the inside clothes. When Scott started wearing outside pants, I thought it was overkill. But then I noticed all the times I made contact with the world when I went out in it, like that door and my hip. I've started to realize that things are a little different for folks in other parts of the country and world. And so, in the interest of preventing other places becoming an epicenter like this, it seemed like maybe a little recounting of what has become normal for us might be useful. It's different in NYC in part because we are all so pressed together here. If you go out into the world at all, there is no escaping other humans. Take a walk around the block, you will likely pass at least 20 people. New York grocery stores are tiny and the shelves are pressed together to save space. One other person in an aisle is a crowd. You cannot pass someone without getting very close to them. Other humans pass through our apartment buildings every day, even if it's only for each family to get a daily walk-in. And we need to get a daily walk-in because many of our apartments are small. The longest walk I can take indoors is 17 paces. And that's if I walk from the bathroom, through the kitchen, living room, and into the bedroom. Getting 10,000 steps by just walking around one's home is not going to happen for many of us. Outside, I walk more or less the same route now. It's the one that seems least populated. It does have its pitfalls. The Suvlaki truck on the corner is always surrounded by guys who seem to have very little concern for masks or social distance. They will happily eat the Suvlaki right next to one another. Same with the bagel shop. There's a fruit and veggie stand that juts into the sidewalk and is always surrounded. But about halfway through this route, there is a bleeding heart bush in front of someone's house. I have developed a relationship with this bush. I visit it, say hello. I noticed when its blossoms fade and when it puts out new ones. Towards the end of the walk, if I need to, I go to the grocery store. It is not the best grocery store in our area, but it is the least crowded. And unlike the other ones, there is never a line to get in. The produce section is a little too tightly packed, though, so I have often waited a long time to be able to dart in to collect some spinach or berries. Before this hit... NYC implemented a plastic bag ban, but nearly everywhere has given up on it and will give you plastic just automatically. I mean, those reusable bags are a little dangerous now, suddenly. Especially if you reuse them. I have two, and as soon as I've used them, they go in the laundry. 
Once a week, we do our laundry at the laundromat down the street. They were closed for a month or two, and we had to go to the smaller and more treacherous one around the corner. We try and only touch surfaces there with rags, but it's not easy. I use a new rag every day to go in and out of our building. Watching our neighbors open the door with their bare hands reminds me to toss the rags in the laundry as soon as I've used them. There were weeks wherein every trip outside felt like stepping out into speeding traffic without a crosswalk. We did our best to be careful, but were highly aware that we could be hit at any moment. We developed some dark jokes about being careful not to step in any coronavirus out there, as if it were just sitting and easy to avoid puddles instead of lying in wait for us on any possible surface or in the air. Our friends from afar want to know if we know anyone who has it or if we've lost people. I have a fair number of acquaintances who probably had it but cannot be sure. But as far as I know, no close friends have been struck too low. But we are all deeply impacted, if only by the refrigerated trucks that are parked outside our local hospital to store the dead if only by the sheer risk in taking a trip outside, if only by being confined to our neighborhoods because of the treacherous quality of public transportation right now. And for most of us, public transportation is really our only transportation. So here we are. But where would we go? It's actually hard to imagine going anywhere right now, especially somewhere far from here. I feel like a walking virus I would not want to bring what's here anywhere else. I see photos of friends and family sitting on their porches, out in their gardens, or on walks through the woods that they were able to go to via their perfectly safe cars, and I realize how wildly different our experiences of this are. I can see how abstract this virus might seem to someone who lives in a house that is not pressed up against another house and can get in their private automobile and go many places where there aren't many other people. I can imagine that it's harder to understand why you can't get your hair cut or go out to dinner when so much else is the same as it's ever been. I don't think it's an accident that these bizarre protests of the lockdowns are coming from folks who live in less densely populated areas. They're not used to worrying about what the people around them are doing. If you drive from your bubble of a house and your bubble of a car, it probably seems like everywhere you might go is still in your safe bubble. Why would you wear a mask if you cannot conceive of the danger? But here we are, most of us, acutely aware of what the people around us are doing. I give the Suvlaki guys a wide berth and cross the street to avoid the overly busy fruit stand, but I still go out every day because I need to get more than 17 paces of walking in. I'm sure there are people who are truly quarantining that look at my daily walks as a luxury or a crazy risk, in much the same way that I look at someone going to even a socially distanced party right now in North Carolina. I keep thinking about this piece that Dahlia Lithwick wrote about how the countries responded to NYC now and how it responded after 9-11. The difference in response is extreme. 
I was here for both. And this time, we're on our own. And I'm not at all interested in sympathy for our situation. We are the lucky ones here, and we know it. We live here because usually when we're not in a pandemic, this city has an abundance of things to offer that we cannot get anywhere else. It may be tight quarters, but it's not as tight as a refrigerated truck, and I know how lucky I am not to be in one. Did you see that post that went around Facebook by Carlos Avila? When folks first started to protest lockdowns, well, it is a work of sweary glory about what it's like for us here and what opening things up prematurely seems like to New Yorkers. All we want here is for other places to take this seriously as we know it is. Just because most other places are naturally more socially distant than us here in New York doesn't mean you won't get clobbered. Just because it's easier for people in other places to hang out in your gardens doesn't mean you should leave them. Probably nowhere is likely to get hit with the relentlessness our city got hit with just because of our density of population. But that doesn't mean other places won't get hit. I keep thinking of that choir in Washington State that had one fateful practice and lost at least two of its members to the virus, with 45 members contracting it. Please, please, don't get complacent. And don't let itchy, thoughtless governments pull you out of safety if it's not time. This virus has had plenty of time to spread out and make itself comfortable in communities far beyond New York. If the scientists want you to stay home for a while longer and you can, please do. Drive your car bubble out to the woods and shout at the trees about how much you hate wearing a mask. I hate it too. But then put it back on around other humans. For now. We all want this nightmare to end. And the longer we resist the things that will help, the longer it will be. Check your state's numbers on the John Hopkins coronavirus map, and if your little tracking chart isn't going down, maybe stick around your house for a while if you can. For us sheltering here in NYC in our tiny apartments with little respite or escape, all those protests seem especially absurd. Oh, are you tired of roaming around your yard? Oh, that must be tough. Are you tired of driving out to look at the lake already? Well, yes, of course. Send hairdressers back to work then. Makes perfect sense. Well, there are plenty of refrigerator trucks here. We'll send them to you when we're done with them. And no, we're not done with them yet. So I wrote this in May um, and... Uh, we actually may be done with the refrigerated trucks. Um, I, I, I don't actually, there's not like a refrigerated truck uh, count, morgue truck count. I don't know. Um, but I, I don't think we need them anymore because uh, we, I think in the last few days, uh, it's like single digits maybe. Or uh, if not single digits, it's like 11 or 15 deaths a day. Um, which is still not awesome, but it is definitely better than the numbers were before. So, 
Um, that, I, that That's good. I, it's actually weirdly, the, this whole thing has shifted now where when I wrote this, I felt like I was in the least safe part of the country and now I feel like I'm in the most safe part of the country <laughs> because being on the other side of it is actually, uh, I don't know. It, it it's not over and it doesn't feel over, but it definitely feels less terrifying. Um, and it feels like other places are just beginning to enter into the terror. So yeah. Woo. Um, I'm sending, you know, hugs out around the country, um, and around the world, but I think the world is doing so much better than our country at this. Uh, in fact, I don't think there's anywhere where maybe Brazil is doing as badly because they have a similarly terrible leader. Um, but yeah, anyway, hugs to everyone, virtual ones, obviously. <laughs> Although I did read a thing in the New York Times about how to hug um, at the most safely. Like it's all about like where you put your head and <laughs> anyway, it's a fascinating article. I haven't hugged anyone but my boyfriend, um, this whole time. So, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I miss hugs like nobody's business. Um, so yeah, so now I'm out, um, on Long Island. So I'm, I am getting, you know, I'm able to like, w like just walking around this house. I get, I can get many a step. It's delightful. Um, it was really stressful sort of figuring out how to get from the city out here. Uh, but I solved it, and uh, I made it, and so far so good. So, and here there's birds. Did you hear that? There was a bird. Mm, it's so nice. It's so nice. I feel like I'm still like, oh my gosh, I can just walk around this yard, and I don't have to wear a mask out here. Like I can just sit outside. Like the thing that's so crazy also in New York right now is that, or maybe it's different by now. I don't know. We are. I think we just entered phase three. Um, I'm, I, I'm not, they, it's like an adjusted phase three. <laughs> um, but like up until then now, I don't know, uh, there was nowhere to be outside. Like if you felt like, oh, I just, you know, I need to get some fresh air. Like you, you couldn't go sit in the park cause they were all closed and like all the benches were like roped off. It's like, it's this really, it was like, Everything was like, you cannot be outside. <laughs> just go back in. So to just like be able to like hang around in the outdoors. Woo. It's a real, it's a real privilege. <laughs> it's very nice. Uh, yeah. So um, the song that I am going to give you here is a They Might Be Giants song, which I didn't know before I did a little search for songs about apartments. And it is a, from an album that they did for kids uh, about numbers. I think it's called Here Come the One, Two, Threes. Um, and this is a, a song called Apartment Four, and it is fun. Um, yeah. There's not much drumming in my apartment, but there is the sound of uh, guitar and piano and ukulele that emanates from it sometimes. So 
Uh, I liked the the sort of drum narrative of uh, Apartment 4, which you will hear in a moment. Meanwhile, thank you for listening. And uh, if you felt like you wanted to give the podcast a boost, reviews are nice, five stars are awesome, uh, sharing is awesome. If you feel like you want to uh, support the podcast with your dollars, we have patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis. Uh, also PayPal, Kofi, uh, those are all places and their links uh, to those are in the show notes. And uh, I believe that is all. Thank you so much. Uh, here is Apartment 4 by They Might Be Giants. I live up in apartment four, I'm on the very next floor, the number's right on the door. If you ever get bored, come knock on my door, the one with the four. I live up in apartment number four, where the sound of the drum comes from. Just follow the sound, that's where the four is found. don't know me, but I remember when you moved into flat number two. That was the day that I knew that I was not the only one who might like the drum that was shaking the floor of apartment four. Come on up to apartment number four, where the sound of the drum comes from. Just follow the sound, that's where the four is found.